Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest NatWest Markets U.S. Politics Podcast. I'm Brian Dangerfield, the head of G10FX Strategy for the U.S. And I'm John Briggs, head of strategy for the Americas. So today we're going to focus on two topics primarily. First, we're going to discuss the death of Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg and the implications of the upcoming fight to uh, uh, nominate a replacement and what that might mean for the election. And then we're going to turn to the presidential debate coming up on September 29th and talk about some of the implications of that debate. So let's jump right into it, John. For those who might be unfamiliar, why is Justice Ginsburg's death such a significant political issue? And what do you think it means for uh, the race going forward? Yeah, it's it's definitely a big deal. I mean, uh, as, as most people know, the Supreme Court has the final say on major legal issues. Um, so it's a flashpoint between liberals and conservatives alike on a host of issues. Um, Narrowing this down just to the election, though, uh, you know, the, Trump has openly suggested that he could challenge the election, and it could be like in 2000, the Supreme Court has a role in deciding the election. So it is certainly uh, important here heading into what could be a divisive and contested election. Again, that's not our view to remind um, listeners about our last podcast on this issue, but it certainly could be an issue for this year. Um, Specifically, Ginsburg was among the most liberal of the judges. So the fact that she is likely to be replaced by an arch conservative if Trump gets an appointment through the Senate, it really swings the court to being, you know, a 6-3 kind of conservative to liberal balance, which could have a big um, impact, not just on the election, but lots of issues going forward. So obviously the timing of this uh, Supreme Court nomination fight is is critical, given we're only about 40 days away from the election. So what do you think this fight that's coming up over the nomination between Republicans and Democrats, how do you think that's going to impact the race as we move forward? So judicial issues tend to benefit the GOP as conservatives tend to see the issue as more important than Democrats. Um, even if that's, that is lately of a narrower margin than historically. So if the vote happens before the election, you can see where GOP Senate candidates that back the vote have more ammunition to garner support from a conservative base they may have otherwise had turnout issues. So they could boost their turnout as they rally around a judicial victory into the election. If the vote's delayed, um, the Supreme Court vote is delayed, you could argue that the need to hold onto control of the Senate for judicial reasons now becomes an additional rallying cry for the conservative base. Additionally, it could help swing voters who might have been reluctant to vote for or just tired of Trump. Um, But if it means giving conservatives a 7-3 majority in the Supreme Court, they could easily vote GOP just to secure that for years to come. On the other side, there's arguments for how this could galvanize the left and perhaps energize you know, younger voters, especially who tend not to vote in strong numbers, um, or others who want a more balanced court. But I tend to agree with the history here in that um, this issue will tend to help the GOP more than the left. What we've been trying to pay attention to, which adds another twist to this though, is how polls have read since um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. There's, which initially, at least so far, and it's limited admittedly, but it may be give me reason to believe my, that initial take, which I just shared, may not be correct. There was two polls to focus on. One is Emerson and one is an economist YouGov poll, both conducted all after her passing, which has Biden plus four in Emerson and Biden plus seven on a national poll in the Economist YouGov poll. Now that's not much different from where he's been, um, but it could suggest some stability there and you're not seeing things swing back towards Trump on this issue. Then there's three swing state polls that were conducted between Sunday and Wednesday. 
Pennsylvania, a Fox News poll has Biden up seven. Um, Ohio, Fox News poll also, Biden up five. Now those are both gaining leads, um, having Biden's lead increase in those states, which is interesting. Um, on the other hand, in Michigan, a Trafalgar Group poll has Trump leading by one, which is Trump gaining in that state. I will say the Trafalgar Group tends to have a pro-Republican lean. Um, so you could argue that that it's more of a mixed result, I guess, with two showing a Biden uh, move in state polls, one showing um, a Trump move. But, you know, so far, if you just want to take those five in general, it looks like it hasn't really pushed conservatives. One last point. Um, there have been 12 polls so far that asked the question after her death, should Ginsburg's seat be filled this year by Trump or next year by the winner of the presidential election? On average, 52% have said that they think that, um, that this process should wait, and only 39% have said Trump should fill the seat now. So again, historically, it's a, something that would help conservatives. That was my initial thought. But perhaps, you know, this time around, given the timing, it may not actually give the boost to conservatives that I would have thought. The polling, very limited polling so far suggests that may be the case, but I think we need to keep an open mind and keep an eye on this issue. I think you're right, John. We'll absolutely be watching the polls. And I think generally speaking, because Biden has a big lead, there might be a bias towards any new news helping Trump relative to Biden, simply because Biden comes in as the favorite, anything that shakes up the race may be an opportunity for Trump to, uh, to get back into it. So I want to ask you one last issue about um, related to the Supreme Court nomination. The Senate is going to be very busy now dealing with uh, the Supreme Court question. Does this mean that near-term fiscal stimulus is off the table? Or do you think there's still a shot that that can get through? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been skeptical of this since the summer, and we've certainly headed in that direction. Now, there is some noise lately as the Democrats have now slimmed their relief package to only, we say that in quotes, $2.2 But, you know, this the Republican plan is still very, very far away. And there's a major gap. They're around $500 billion. You know, I think there's been some talk they could go up to $800 billion. But that's still a huge difference. There's ideological differences remain over state aid, what to do with the post office. Remember, that's coming at a time Trump is calling mail-in ballots a source of fraud. So, and, and, and I think to your point, the issue here, which is going to keep not only the Senate busy, but partisanship extremely high, I think, I think it's a real stretch to think we're going to get any stimulus passed before the election, even with some of the positive notes you've heard out of Washington. Um, so, Brian, now it's my turn to ask you a question. We, next major event here is Tuesday's debate. Discussions with accounts, obviously a lot on, on, uh, in the media about this. There's significant interest. Let's go through the stakes. What do you think are the major, main stakes here? Well, I think the one thing that's really stood out to us is that because polling has been so favorable to Biden uh, versus Trump, and even Biden versus Clinton four years ago, um, that it really feels like to us that Biden needs to make a major mistake in order to help close the gap and make this a closer race. Now, it's our opinion that the consensus believes that this is a much closer race and that even among those who don't think it's a close race, there's a clear group of individuals who think this is going to narrow and that the debate represents an opportunity for the, for the race to narrow because it's an opportunity for the president and Joe Biden to be on a stage together um, and for Biden to have an opportunity to really introduce himself again, reintroduce himself to the American voters after a campaigning period where 
coronavirus has you know, made it impossible for Biden to do a lot of travel, to really have um, the kinds of campaign rallies that would be traditional at this time. And so the debates represent an opportunity for Biden to sell himself to the voters. And if he performs well, he might not have a big ceiling to extend his already big lead. But if he performs poorly, it could be the window that the president is looking for to get back into the race. So certainly a lot of, um, a, a lot of issues at play, and the debate is certainly an important one. So what do you think um, the subjects are going are gonna to be? Have they been released yet? Yes. Yeah, so the subjects have been released. We know this is going to be a debate moderated by um, Fox News host Chris Wallace. So Fox News has a reputation as being a network that's relatively friendly to Republicans and the president. But Trump has been critical of Chris Wallace personally. He's tweeted about him uh, being perhaps unfair to, uh, to Trump as recently as August 23rd. So that's something always to keep in mind of whether or not the line of questioning is going to shift in one direction or another. We do know that the debate, um, which is going to run about an hour and a half, has six specific subjects that are going to come up. The records of President Trump and former Vice President, Vice President Biden, the Supreme Court, COVID-19, the economy, race and violence in our cities, and the integrity of the election. Those are taken directly from, um, uh, you know, uh, from the, the debate themselves, not uh, you know, the, the exact phrasing is, is what, um, what was given to us. And so clearly opportunities for the Supreme Court to get a very heavy bit of attention. Um, as we mentioned, obviously a very important issue that's just really come to the foreground. Um, the records of President Trump and former Vice President Biden offers an opportunity to discuss COVID-19 and track record on the economy, um, and then discussions of you know, race issues and violence in cities. Certainly, that's an angle that President Trump has been pushing about um, you know, uh, protests in American cities being something that's really just a cover for, for violent protests. And so... And then finally, of course, the integrity of the election is something that we think is probably the number one issue in markets and certainly something that recent comments from the president, but also from Biden's side with Hillary Clinton saying that Biden probably shouldn't accept the election results when they're first announced. Something that's hugely of interest and something that I think is going to really be um, a critical issue for markets here. All right. Well, needless to say, it's going to be must-see TV. So we look forward to speaking to you again soon in our next podcast, and we'll end it there. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everyone.